Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. What's the last mistake you made? What were the consequences? And what did you learn? On this episode of Conflict Managed, we are joined by Ayele Arnett, founder and CEO of Communaride. Listen in as Ayele offers insights of what to do and avoid when starting a business, what it looks like to be mission-minded, the power of networking and surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you to grow professionally, and the important reminder that you don't know how many people are waiting on you to be great. We are also treated to a beautiful story of compassion in action as Ayele recounts a moving story of one of her mentors. Ayele Arnett is a serial entrepreneur, volunteer, wife, mom of four kids, and a passionate disruptor who believes in optimal outcomes for small businesses seeking quality shipping services. She does it all, from running her last-mile logistics company to supporting community efforts to increase investment in the same neighborhood 80% of her employees live in. Welcome, Ayeli, to Conflict Managed. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. It's my first podcast, really. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, we're happy to have you. And here we are in uh, West Tennessee, suffering with the heat. It's so hot today. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> but hopefully, wherever you are listening to this, you're nice and cool and can enjoy this conversation that we're going to have. So let's go ahead and get started. Will you just tell us about your work history? Sure. So um, I originally am from Madison, Wisconsin, <clears throat> and I came down to Tennessee to go to school. And I knew very early on that I wanted to be in healthcare. I wanted to be a hospital administrator initially. And so I got my training, my undergrad and graduate degree in healthcare administration and planning and with a focus on statistics, because I always love numbers. I love how numbers can tell a story, you know, unless you are really looking at the data for your company, you really don't understand, you know, what your company performance is, you know, what are your metrics, your baselines, things that you want to grow and improve upon. So I focused always in numbers and my career spanned about 17 years before I got the opportunity to step out on my own. And um, I worked at a hospital here in Memphis and, um, found that I was challenged with patients who were returning to the hospital because they didn't have rides to get to the doctor's appointments that they needed to go to or to the pharmacy to pick up their meds. And that was contributing to a high rate of readmissions. And so I started talking to my husband. And I was like, you know, there's, there's a business behind this because there's a lot of people in these underserved communities that really just need a ride. They need a different option other than a yellow cab or a bus that may or may not come in the rain or the snow you know, they just need other options. And so I started a business and I built an app around that business. And um, I ran that business for two months. One of my largest um, clients was the Tennessee Department of Health. It was amazing. I got that contract fairly early on into the business. And I uh, basically ran that business for about two years and was given an opportunity to sell my app to a gentleman out east. And I took the capital from that app and pivoted into logistics and warehousing. And here I am today. <laughs> it's pretty wow. much the Twitter version of it. <laughs> it's exciting time. Very, that's, that's such a blessing. Really, my, my path has been amazing, really. So you sold your app and you went mm -hmm. in, which was logistics in a way, yes? Um, it was. It was people logistics. Um, yeah. So basically, the app functioned very similarly to Uber and Lyft. Um, you had the same autonomy, but except the autonomy not to go to Walmart, but the autonomy of when you wanted to have your ride pick you up to go to the doctor's appointment um, and things of that nature. And most of our larger customers really dealt in being able to pay for the rides for their patients. 
Um, I think that there's a huge barrier, many barriers in healthcare, but one of the biggest ones is the healthcare cost and the cost to get things done. And a lot of people just can't afford to take a ride for $40, you know, even if it means that their health is going to improve. So some of our clients just opted to pay for the rides for their patients and their patients had the ability to schedule their rides when they needed to get to their appointments. So it was really a win-win for both situations. Oh, that's so wonderful. Organizations, businesses around helping the community. And Mm -hmm. it seems like this is what you have if this, is this what you've consciously done with your career so far, been in the helping profession through numbers? Yeah, I think so. Um, my path has really crossed a lot of amazing individuals, you most recently, but um, another good friend of mine, his name is Phil Baker. He owns a pharmacy here in Memphis. It's a nonprofit charity pharmacy. And he and I did some work on um, bringing, the, uh, bringing a platform together for people in underserved communities to have access to chemotherapy medications. And wow. yeah, and it's, it's amazing. It's amazing work. And um, part of my company right now, even though I'm in logistics and warehousing, we still are able to provide donated um, deliveries. We provide deliveries of medication for his pharmacy, but we also, in fact, do donate some rides every single month to people in underserved communities. So it's really cool. It oh, is that's, really so, cool. that's so fabulous. One thing <laughs> I love about doing this podcast is hearing about all the interesting and unique jobs Mm-hmm. and needs in communities. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe something that I wouldn't think about or listeners, maybe, you know, it, it just shows up, right? Especially with with where uh, with the logistics and, and transportation. People show up, goods and services just show up mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. thinking about all that goes on underneath it and who has access, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Who has access. Yeah, absolutely. So as you think about your work history from mm-hmm. the first job you had to now working for yourself, what is the best experience you've had either with an individual, organization, company? So I think one of the greatest opportunities I had and experiences I had was, and I'll name him because he's amazing. He's one of my first mentors. His name is Tim Shelley. And um, Mr. Shelley doesn't work for um, NHC anymore, but it's, um, it's a, I guess, I don't want to call it a chain of assisted living facilities, but basically they operate Um, assisted living facilities for people who want to have a little more independence. And when I was at Tennessee State, I had to choose an intern site to go to. And I had worked there previously and I knew I wanted to work under him. He was an excellent leader. Um, He was pretty much the definition of how I wanted to mold myself and become in the future if I ever owned my own business. And at the time, I wasn't necessarily an entrepreneur. I saw myself more on a corporate path and not necessarily an entrepreneurial path, but um, Mr. Shelley just, he treated every single person exactly the same. He held the door open for the people who lived at this community. He held the door for the people who worked at the community, you know, from his assistant on over to the folks who worked in the kitchen, on over to the folks who provided, you know, care services. It didn't matter who you were. And I, I don't think he ever noticed that I was watching him, but I was just absolutely just thrown back every single time I saw him interact with different people. And it kind of taught me to professionally be that exact same person to make sure that I understand that everybody is contributing to this particular place and the success of this place. And everyone deserves the exact same respect. And he, he provided that. And I'll just take a really quick you know, moment to just kind of highlight something that really stood out to me. Um, we had a gentleman, and I don't recall his name, but um, he was, he lived in a Muslim com- uh, community 
about, I'd say probably about 30 miles outside of Nashville. I was looking at, living in Nashville at the time. And um, this gentleman took a bus to the very edge of Nashville, as far as the bus would take him. And he walked an additional 10 miles home to his community because they lived kind of in a secluded area in the woods. They were very, um, you know, no running water, no lights or anything like that. It was just very off the land, amazing community. It was beautiful when we went to go visit them. And one unfortunate day, uh, this gentleman um, ended up being struck by a car on his walk home. And, um, and when Mr. Shelley found out, he basically ended our meetings. I think we got the word the next morning when we were in the middle of the morning meeting. And um, he basically ended the meetings for the day, packed up anybody who would fit into his, I think it was like a Toyota, like Land Cruiser or something. It fit like 15 of us. It was insane how many people were able to fit in there. But whoever wanted to come and whoever could come, he basically said, we're going and we're going to go spend time with his family today. And we did just that. We drove for, I don't know, it was probably about an hour and a half. And we spent time with his family that day. We talked about how much of an asset he was with us and how much, you know, our clients loved him and how much we loved his personality. And it was just, it was just an amazing thing to be a part of. And I don't think I'll ever forget that day. And here he is, you know, the CEO of this entire building. And he just immediately shut it down for one person, you know, and in most situations, you know, and it's, it's horrible how our culture is, you know, kind of set up because we kind of look at people and we judge them based on how much they make, or we judge them on what their position is in the company, you know, what we perceive to be as an important job. And that wasn't the case that day. You know, this gentleman was just another person who Tim valued or Mr. Shelley valued. And we were going to, we were going to honor him that day. And that's something that has stayed with me. Geez, my internship was 16 years ago. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it, it was just something that stayed with me for a long, long time. So. What a, what a beautiful gift mm -hmm. to, effort to see in action, mm -hmm. somebody really living the treat everyone with dignity and respect. Absolutely. What does that look like from, mm -hmm. as you said, holding the door open for mm -hmm. everyone. It's like literally mm -hmm. and figuratively, it sounds mm -hmm. like. Absolutely. And when one person suffers, we suffer with them. Mm -hmm. When one person, um, when one person rejoices, we rejoice mm -hmm. with them as well. So displaying real leadership, mm -hmm. that is so amazing to think about seeing, being seen mm -hmm. and being known. And when we think about a good leader today, I think about someone who invests and sees everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like um, somebody who plays chess. They see mm -hmm. all of it. Right? Oh, yeah. All you of the to. pieces, mm -hmm. how it all works together. Mm -hmm. And, but not for some end game of winning, but in a way, we all win together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because what is most important is the person's humanity, their mm -hmm. dignity, mm -hmm. and, and what message that sends to everybody, how we treat people on their awful days, on their worst days. Absolutely. It sends a message as to what the, the boss really values. Mm -hmm. oh, that's just so beautiful. Exactly. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, that day he wasn't the boss. He was just someone else who cared about this guy. And, you know, it was, it was, it was just awesome. It really was. You know, internships, I think are very interesting mm -hmm. uh, and they can be extremely valuable. Um, the internships that I had in college, it sounds like mm -hmm. this one was very valuable. What is, um, do you have any tips for 
people who are thinking and call their college age or employers who are thinking about having internships? So I guess, yeah, that's a double-edged question. I think from the perspective of an employer, I think interns can be a great asset because honestly, you know, I haven't, I haven't had the pleasure of having an intern yet. My company is pretty, it's still micro level. So I don't think I have the capabilities or the bandwidth to have enough work for an intern at this point, but hopefully one day I will be able to, you know, bring on an intern. And I think the valuable piece of that intern is, is number one, you're shaping someone who's going to be entering this field. And whether that's someone who's going to work with you, not for you, but work with you or be a competitor, you want to bring quality and you want to increase the, you know, outcomes of the field that you're in. You know, you don't want to bring someone in and teach them, you know, horrible things. And, you know, they bring that mess to your field and it's just, it's horrible. I think you really have a great opportunity to bring someone in and help them understand, you know, the most important pieces of the field. I've only been in logistics and warehousing for coming up on two and a half years now. And so I'm learning quite a lot. I feel like sometimes with my clients, I'm almost interning at their companies. You know, I've been blessed to have quite a bit of growth in these last two and a half years. Um, And, you know, quite a few clients who I've been able to bring on. And, you know, although my background is in healthcare, quality spans everywhere. It doesn't matter what fields you're in. If you're understanding or if you understand quality metrics and you understand about process improvement, you can take those skills in any particular field. And that's really been a blessing that I've been able to have that and use that skill set in this particular field. But again, going back to the intern piece, I think from my perspective, you know, I would hope that I could mold someone to be great enough who would want to stay with my company. You know, I could treat them such as they would, they wouldn't want to go anywhere else. They've learned, you know, some valuable things at my company. They understand the culture. They feel like they have a voice and that they're contributing to know what we're doing and how we're growing. And I would hope that I could grow someone to, you know, hopefully take over some things here at the company. Um, On the other side, what could an intern, you know, tips that an intern could use at another company that they are trying to onboard with? I think the value of networking is so just, it's, it's really not highlighted. And I think that a lot of young people, and I think people period, I'm an extrovert if you can't tell, Clearly, when we sat across the table at the chamber event, I was just yapping and yapping because I don't, I don't never meet a stranger. And that's kind of like my motto of my church too. You never meet a stranger, just friends you've never met. And that's what they say at my church. But that's pretty much how I am. I don't mind talking about my business. I don't mind introducing myself, sharing stories. You know, I'm going to know you after two minutes. But a lot of people don't have that same, you know, disposition. A lot of people are introverts and you can be an introvert that understands the value of networking, but maybe you're not somebody that gets out there and, you know, kind of puts yourself into situations. And I think if there's any advice that I could give an intern is to go meet everybody that you can, you know, start off with a professional, um, you know, professional package, have business cards, even, you know, if you're 15 or 16 years old, have a business card. It's your home number. Who cares? You know, as long as you have an email address and you know, you know, a little bit about yourself enough to, t- to share with someone and, you know, help them understand what your goals are and they can, if they can align your goals with what they have available, you have some great opportunities. So I think my biggest, my biggest um, suggestion would be just to, you know, bec- come off as professional as possible. You know, of course, we know that you have limited time with, you know, other professionals, but you know, just try to do your research and see, you know, what's going to help you stand out amongst the other, you know, students and the other young people. That's such great advice. Uh, 
you know, because so many times, of course, when we're young, we don't know what we don't mm-hmm. know. And right. we're worried about what, what we're doing. But in a way, getting out of our own head mm-hmm. and getting out of our own way by investing in other people. Right. And yeah. when the intern is there, it's like they've got this golden ticket to mm-hmm. go find out and mm-hmm. to meet. That's really what they're supposed to be doing. Exactly. And as you said with, said with Mr. Shelley, uh, mm-hmm. he didn't know you were watching, but you were watching. I'm sure others were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, interns are being watched mm-hmm. because everybody's looking for talent. Everyone exactly. is looking for a culture fit to exactly. see what is there to invest in. Mm-hmm. And the intern should do the same, watch mm-hmm. and learn. Mm-hmm. Be- Absolutely. Because when they go into their first professional paying job, if it's an unpaid internship or paid mm-hmm. internship, it shouldn't matter of the quality of your work. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes um, young people can be taken advantage of because they don't know it's their first time. Right. But interns can give them a frame of re- reference mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Of, of what is good and normal or exactly. maybe what they don't want mm-hmm. in a work environment. And so when they're exactly. out interviewing, it gives this any experience you can get right. is something that you can glean a lot of information from. It really, it really was. And I, you know, there's one thing that I just thought about that if you don't mind me sharing, please. Um, please. So again, I, I went to school in Nashville and my husband and I moved to Memphis in 2012. And um, one of the things uh, when we moved here, we were really blessed. Nashville, as many people know, <laughs> Nashville, you could sell a slice of bread on a driveway and sell it for $75,000 right now. Like it, it is insane. It has been insane. And it's going to probably continue to be insane for some years now for the, the housing market there. And um, when we left, we were blessed to be able to sell our house. And so we had a little bit of money when we moved here to Memphis. And I was able to kind of get my settling um, kind of slowly and try to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do as far as like work-wise. And one of the first things that I did was I called one of my mentors. His name is Jonathan Watkins. And he, I have a lot of mentors. I have mentors all across the table because I, I believe in surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you um, to help grow you professionally. And um, when I first moved down here, I asked Jonathan, I said, you know, you know, I know that you're the CEO at this hospital. I'm not asking you to give me a job, but what I do want is I wanted to see if you wouldn't mind connecting me with one of your mentors at the hospital and allowing me to work for free. I literally said that. I said, I want to grow myself. I just graduated from college or from grad school. I have this skill set that I want to develop and I want to be someone who would be a candidate that you guys would want to see. And I literally asked him, can you connect me with one of the people who are higher up at the hospital and ask if it's okay if I work for them for free? And I, I literally worked for, I think about three months before I had the opportunity to be in some really key meetings with some really key people. And that's how I got my first job in Memphis because I was in the room and um, Paula, the young the woman who um, allowed me to intern with her, she introduced me at every single meeting as this young lady who was, you know, booming in, in, in quality and, you know, recently graduated and she's looking for opportunities in Memphis. And I got a chance to be around other stakeholders in the city that I would not have gotten an opportunity to be around had I, you know, just asked for, a, you know, a typical job. And because I was working for free for her and learning and watching her. I was able to be connected with my very first job opportunity. And so that kind of spins back to the internship piece, you know, not every internship is going to be paid. And even if it's not paid, you need to understand and figure out how to take advantage of the opportunities that you're in front of. So I forgot to mention that earlier. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, if you're in a position that you could do something like that, that's, mm-hmm. that's just so wonderful. 
Yeah. yeah. You, you said at the beginning um, that you didn't start off as an entrepreneur, but that sounds exactly like the entrepreneurial spirit. Someone, it, it is. You know, yeah. who was curious mm-hmm. and creative. That's an, very creative and bold. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really neat. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I ever really saw myself as an entrepreneur until I started the patient transportation business before I was just like, like I have by any means necessary, I need to get a great job because I, I want to live a certain kind of life. And the way that I, you know, like to spend, you know, spend my time with my husband and the kind of foods that I like to eat, I know I'm gonna have to make some money in, in the future. <laughs> so I need to, I need to do what I can to come to climb that ladder fairly quickly. So, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you mind sharing with us an experience you've had at an organization or with a person that was difficult for you? So, um, and I and I mentioned this when we first talked. I think I would like to talk about a perspective from a founder, um, from you know someone who has started a business. I think one of the I don't want to say one of the first negative experiences I've had, but one of the most profound negative experiences that I've had is when I started a business with another person. Um, this person and I were in a professional organization together. Um, I, I, did, I met this person before we joined the professional organization, but you know, in the very beginning, it seemed like it was gonna be an amazing opportunity. You know, two young minority, you know, change makers, disruptors were coming together to try to solve a really large problem. And, you know, it really got off to a great start. We were given some opportunities to grow our business fairly on that um, were just unique and just uh, things that I could never imagine would be available. And, um, you know, I think one of the first things that I probably should have um, thought a little bit more about was the the balance of power and the balance of, um, you know, what the responsibilities were, you know, between the two of us, I was the only one who quit my job um, to start this full-time. And it was needed because of the opportunity that we were given, you needed to have a full-time founder. And, um, you know, we, we, we started the business and things, you know, took off fairly quickly. We got some funding, things of that nature. But towards the end of the relationship, you know, the funding was kind of drying up. And, you know, at the end of the day, at the time I had three children, I have four now, but at the time I had three children and I had to continue to provide for my household. You know, I still had a little bit of money left over from our house sale in Nashville and things of that nature, but I wasn't prepared to just kind of go through my savings. And so one of the negative things that happened between the two of us was that we didn't necessarily really figure out what those tough conversations were going to be. Like, you know, part of the experience that we had was to be able to write down, you know, what do you, what's going to happen if this happens? What, what about the scenario? Things of that nature. And they, you know, basically told us, you know, figure out these hard questions before you get into business with each other. And we thought we kind of knew what was going to happen, but when it came down to it and I'm sitting here like, well, you know, we can't really afford to pay me anymore. I'm going to have to, you know, do something else to earn some money to continue to be able to contribute to the business. And I think um, that experience just, um, you know, having to choose between going through my savings and having to stay committed to the business was not something that I was prepared to do. It was just, I, I didn't think about the fact that I would have to start supporting myself and I would have to still, it was just a very difficult situation. And the negative experience was that, you know, we, 
we didn't end up really getting through that well. And we ended up parting ways and it was just a really, it was just a really negative experience. And um, I don't know if I necessarily have gotten, gotten over it per se, you know, it's kind of helped me, it, it's, it's helped me to grow and understand how to interact and how to come forward to other um, business deals. And, you know, cause with all my clients, you know, every single one of them, it's like a marriage and it was a marriage with this person too. And you just kind of have to understand, you know, how much you're willing to go for and how much you're willing to give up. And I think, I think we just didn't really talk that through, but the business that, you know, we started together, that person is doing amazing with it. It's, it's doing great. It's just, um, you know, it just wasn't meant for the both of us together. Is that difficult that it's thriving now? And you're not a part of it or or it's not, you know, honestly, it's really not. I am, you know, despite what happened between the two of us, I am so incredibly proud of that person because there are not a lot of people in this space who look like us that are thriving. And I think the same for me, you know, there's not a lot of people who look like me who are in logistics, you know, black women in transportation and trucking what (laughs) you know there's a few I can count on one hand of the ones that I know that are influential in this space and so I'm actually and it's kind of weird to say and I'm definitely not just saying it but I'm actually very proud of that person and the and the direction that they've taken the company it was an amazing idea from the very beginning and I knew that it was going to be successful it was just you know the timing just wasn't correct for the both of us and I think you know but we were obviously both rock stars because, you know, that person is doing their thing and they're excelling. And I feel like I'm excelling well at what I'm doing as well. So, you know, it says what it is. (laughs) No, there's so much to unpack from what you said. And one thing is that you can, you can have a great idea. You can be a great person and just not really work well with somebody else Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that person and there's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just like organizations. There, there's so many different organizations that are doing great work, Mm -hmm. but it's just not a good fit for you. Right. Exactly. And sometimes, especially when you're all in the way you were, it's Mm -hmm. very hard Mm -hmm. because there are all these different sorts of consequences of pulling out and starting over financial and emotional Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And interesting that you said like a marriage, because like in a marriage, when you get married, you're in love, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you have stars in your eyes and you're mm-hmm. like, oh yes, yes. I know that person's not perfect. You know, oh mm-hmm. yes, yes. I know they mm-hmm. score, but who cares? Mm-hmm. But then once you're living with them and the shine wears right. off, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't, if you haven't built in have how to have those difficult conversations mm-hmm. and um, what the partnership really looks like. And if it's right. in a way not written out mm-hmm. and agreed upon, right? Um, it's, it's really difficult to move forward. It is. It is definitely difficult. And I think a lot of people, when they start businesses, and, and that's the challenge is, is a lot, it's the financial aspect of starting a business. It is yes. so difficult. If you don't have the capital to start your business, that's one struggle. But even when you do have the capital, and you know you're looking at what you have available over this whatever time span you have it is just it is it's it's very difficult it's just a hard conversation that people just really have to go through yeah. they just really do and it's it's so hard to think about the future it's almost like writing your business plan and the risk management surrounded with your business plan is so difficult to guesstimate how to approach different situations that haven't actually taken place yet you know right. it's just it's, it's right. hard 
Mm-hmm. I think you're so you're so right. You know, we can't guess the future. We don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And so I think maybe one of the best ways forward is to acknowledge we're going to have difficulties, mm-hmm. even though we know we're fabulous. It's a great mm-hmm. idea. We have all this going forward. But reality, in reality, mm-hmm. we're going to have difficulties. Right. How are we going to approach it? Right. Whatever That's it may be, because mm-hmm. we don't know, but we will have them. That's mm-hmm. one thing that I want to try to do is normalize conflict mm-hmm. because conflict is normal. It is. And then we get to choose if we have that mindset, how are we going to deal with it? Exactly. Exactly. You know, I could have chose to, you know, take that, that situation and, you know, drag that person. She could have chose to take that situation and drag me. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, we were both professionals and we both understood each other's value and just understood that it just wasn't going to work out. Mm-hmm. But as you said, it still doesn't minimize the pain, right? That stuff Mm -hmm. really hurt and it's really difficult. It did. And I, and I remember one of the last conversations, you know, that I had with this person was regardless of what happens between you and I, don't let this idea die. You know, do not let this business suffer. Don't stop, you know, moving forward and pushing for this because it is going to impact Memphis and it's going to change the dynamic of the underserved population here Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, how they get the access to the things that they need to get to. And I, you know, even though, you know, it was a pretty bad conversation, the last one that we had, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, this idea that God had for us or for that person, it, it was, it was supposed to be, which is why it's still growing and which is why it's still amazing and, and doing very well right now. That's really lovely to think about, you know, when you're mission minded, hmm Sometimes yeah. you can see that this is not your mission, right? Exactly. You've got something else. And so <clears throat> exactly. when it isn't all about us, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's stuff that's about us and that's right. very important mm-hmm. to take care of and to manage. And, mm-hmm. but if you really are a mission-minded person mm-hmm. and you see the greater good, mm-hmm. that's, you know, it takes a lot of emotional intelligence to be able to see that, admit that, get out mm-hmm. of your own way and the oh, work. Yeah. So that you can find your own path. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's, there's people who thought that I was still in that business who have reached out to me for, you know, contracts. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't do this anymore, but I tell you somebody who is doing this and I've sent business that person's way because I know what their work ethic is. And I know, you know, what they're trying to do and I know what they're going to do and how great the quality of the product is that they're providing or the service that they're providing. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's about these people who need this. You know, it's like somebody, um, I don't remember if this was in a movie or if it was a conversation I had, but someone had said once that you have no idea how many people are waiting on you to be great, Hmm. whether that's to work for you or work with you, or if that's to receive the service that you're creating in their community. You know, you have no idea who's waiting on you to realize that thing that you're dreaming about. And so- I look at it like, you know, I have got to, you know, God put this in my lap for a reason. God gave me this opportunity. I went through that situation with this person so I could go through that and get to where I'm at. This is where I'm supposed to be. So I've got to, I've got to be great when I get here, you know? And so, and I guess when I, when I look at it, you know, in my tiny little company, 81% of the people who work with me, who work with me at my company, They are from the neighborhood that my husband grew up in, which is Whitehaven. I don't know if my sign is on this side, but I'm super proud to be 
a business that's grown in Whitehaven. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm part of that 19% that's not <laughs> from Whitehaven. But it's it's basically, you know, I just I'm excited that there are so many people whose lives have changed because they were able to connect with me and work alongside me. You know, I'm excited about the fact that my life is changing because they're working with me to develop and help me grow my business. You know, I never really look at my at, um, you know, my drivers as just employees because I think that's the worst mindset. You are no more important than I am and I am no more important than you are. We are both on this journey together. And I think when when businesses look and understand that their employees bring that type of value, what is it called? Human capital. When they bring, when they look and see what type of value their employees really contribute to the business, I think so many people would be so much more happier. They really will. Yeah, I 100% agree. I would just hope that we could stop calling, you know, we talk about human capital and yet, you know, we think about, you know, human beings, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that we are worth so much more than mm-hmm. the, the, the bottom line that exactly. any, anybody contributes. And I know mm-hmm. that, I know that's like a shorthand for saying being human centric, mm-hmm. but I think that, you know, in, insofar as my vision for the, the future is really trying to have people in their organizations, not only see that every person has dignity and worth, but to invest mm-hmm. in every single person to flourish mm-hmm. so that we can have good lives, right? Nobody wants Absolutely. to get to their grave and be like, Ooh, C plus, you know, I right. just got here, you know, yeah. we all want yeah. A pluses mm-hmm. out of life. We want Absolutely. every single person. Mm-hmm. So just a little bit backtracking to um, the, the founding business that was difficult in the parting, knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. if you went into another business partnering with somebody else, mm-hmm. what, what would you do differently? If anything? You know, so I'll answer that in two parts. The first part is I would not change a thing because I grew so much from that experience. Conflict, like you said before, is necessary. It's it's something I think people have to be challenged and they have to become uncomfortable in order to grow. And that was the most uncomfortable. That was probably one of the most uncomfortable situations that I have been in in a long time. I am... I'm generally a very happy person. Like I don't typically have, you know, I don't want to say I don't have bad days, but I don't have days where it's so bad that it has to, you know, it comes from me, you know, it's coming out of me. You can tell my body language, things of that nature. I'm usually like a super kind person, but, you know, I think when I was going through what I was going through, I think that I was beginning to experience a little bit of depression because I couldn't understand how something so great was turning into something so bad, Mm -hmm. you know, and even if it just taking it out of the perspective of a business, even if it was just, you know, if we were two employees that began a certain relationship and then that relationship changed, I just couldn't understand, you know, how I could be a part of something like that. Like, how could I have contributed to this ending, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just kind of was self-reflecting and I began to try to figure out what was wrong with me. What did I do? You know, and it, at the end, it's just, it just wasn't meant to be for the two of us. And um, I don't know. I, I, I think that that, uh, I, I wouldn't have changed a thing though. Um, but on the other hand, being more knowledgeable about business and knowing what I know now, I probably would have figured out how to put some contracts in place, really looked at the numbers and saw, you know, okay, well, 
if we're if we're establishing these milestones, what happens if we don't hit these? And what am I prepared to do? What am I prepared to sacrifice? And at the time with my three children, pretty much brand new house, it just wasn't it wasn't something that I was going to be able to do. So I think, you know, in one hand, I wouldn't have done anything. And the other hand, I would have put more structure in place for myself, not necessarily for the business, but for myself and understanding what I would be willing to sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, when I think about the negative experiences that I've had, and we all have bad experiences, Mm -hmm. probably one of the worst um, that I went through, what was difficult was I was so disappointed in myself. Mm-hmm. Such a hard yeah. time forgiving myself for getting in this in this position. How would how did I get here? Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And it was really difficult. And I was clinically depressed. Went through all of that. Mm-hmm. But would I take it away from me? I learned mm-hmm. so much. You know, mm-hmm. I learned yeah. so much, and I came out of that experience changed. I was a mm-hmm. changed person. You yeah. know. Absolutely. And so I hear that. I, I don't mm-hmm. want my son. I was talking to the other day and asked, you know, what would you change? And I think if I changed anything, would you not be here? You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. want to change anything. I right. love my life, mm-hmm. even with all of its, you know, difficulties. And mm-hmm. again, we all have some things. And of course, some things are more severe than others. Mm-hmm. But I like what you said about expectation so much of our life is about the expectations that we set up. Right. And our culture in general does not expect us to suffer, right? Mm-hmm. If we're suffering, something is wrong. Right. And that's just untrue. Right. <laughs> we're, exactly. we're biological mm-hmm. creatures, at least to some extent. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are going to suffer. Um, right. Exactly. And I think having those right expectations, and we think about the workforce, you know, even if you're in your dream job, mm-hmm. you're going to have bad days. The company's mm-hmm. going to have hard times. Your oh, coworker yeah. is going to have bad times. It's setting oh, up yeah. those expectations. That's really smart. I like that a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, what was it? And this is, this is kind of pertaining to what we're saying. There was a quote that I, that I always think about, and I always tell my kids to all four of them, even though one is two, I talk to her like she's 10 years old as well. But, um, you know, I always tell my kids, you know, if you're not making mistakes, you're not making decisions, Mm. you know, and that is so true. You know, you have got to learn that you're going to get through whatever this challenge time is. Mm -hmm. And even if it was a mistake that you made entering into whatever you're doing, you're making decisions about your life. You're making decisions about your day. You're creating the autonomy that you're going to need to be a sustaining adult, (laughs) you know, it's like, you're learning now how to, you know, deal with things that happen in the future. I think one of the things that, you know, I, I, I welcomed with my childhood is that, you know, I kind of had, um, parents, I had two different kinds of parents. I had two different poles of parents. My dad was a very relaxed kind of, you know, let it happen. It is what it is. You know, it's going to be okay. And my mom was kind of like, you did this, this happened, what are you going to do? You know, just, just two different levels. And I think growing up as a child and then entering into adulthood, I kind of took a little bit of both of them. You know, when I was younger, I was very high strung, very wound up, very anxious about a lot of things. But as I grew up, I kind of grew to become a little bit more about my dad, or kind of like my dad, which was kind of like, you know, we're here, it's happening. You know, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> you know, we're here what are we going to do about it now? And so it's, it's, it's definitely a maturity thing, you know, and that's another piece of advice for the interns is just, you know, surround yourself around people who 
are in the field that you want to be in, but that have gone through things because they're going to have the best advice for you. (laughs) Absolutely. I think every time I do a podcast, I learn so much from other people's experiences, what they've been through. And um, well, so do you have any parting words of wisdom of when you think about the future of the workplace and you think about having just sustainable, inclusive, diverse workplaces where everyone flourishes or what, what is it that you would like to see happen? Make sure that you include your work family in most decisions and make sure that they are recognized when those decisions and those contributions are implemented. You know, I guess honor and basically praise and be able to recognize people for the value that they're bringing to your company. Even if it's not a small company like mine, even if it's a large, you know, Walmart, if somebody finds a way to do something better and you actually implement that, celebrate them. Because that not only shows them that they are, you know, a big piece of the puzzle, but it also shows their peers that, hey, you know, maybe I should try to figure out how to do things better. I should try to contribute more because they actually listen. I think that that goes so far. And Mr. Shelley, just going back to him, that's what he did. You know, he challenged me with projects, you know, projects that would, you know, implement things at the, at the um, facility that would be better for the patients. And they were small things, you know, I was paired with, um, people who were the um, activity coordinators. And it was my job, some of my job to find ways to engage the folks more. And it was actually, you know, when I think about it, you know, it was actually a very important job because when you think about an assisted living facility, most people are, you know, just kind of looking out the window, you know, challenged with depression or challenged with, you know, dementia and Alzheimer's and they don't have a lot to look forward to. But when activity comes around, This is their time to talk to their friends. This is their time to, you know, use their motor skills, things of that nature. And it was actually a pretty big job. And, you know, he he gave that to me. He helped me to contribute in that way. And he recognized me for it. You know, we had a whole, I wish I'll probably send it to you after we're done, but we had a whole day, um, you know, uh, set aside for the activities that we had planned for the for that whole month. And it was, it was just, it was cool. It was cool. I'm going to see if I can find that thing that I created for him and send it to you. It's really cool. that, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this sense of belonging, we all want mm-hmm. it. We want to be seen. We want to contribute. And when we feel like nobody sees or cares, then mm-hmm. why bother? Right. But we want to bother because exactly by nature, we want to produce, we want to mm-hmm. do, we want, we want to contribute. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, but we can teach people to not do that. Right. We can teach them the, the bad. Yeah. The bad right. examples. That's exactly right. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is just show up to work and just go home and right. not, not try to improve anything. That would be the worst thing. I, uh, why, thank you so much for your contribution today and for talking with us and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed myself. Oh, it was fantastic. Thank you. Take care. Ayele, thank you for being on Conflict Managed today. I appreciate your stories and insights and leaving us with this idea of celebrating those who work around us. We all want to be seen and appreciated. And I hope those of you who are listening will take this opportunity to look around you and see how you can celebrate and invest in others. Conflict Managed is produced by Third Party Workplace Conflict Restoration Services, 
You can find them online at 3pconflictrestoration.com. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take care. Take care.